0: Welcome to the New Mexico News Podcast. Headlines and stories from the land of enchantment. Brought to you by KRQE. Here's Chris McKee and Gabrielle Burkhart.
1: Chris, did you have a favorite school lunch item as a kid?
2: My parents always made school lunches for me. And I remember going to school and feeling like the school apparatus of lunches. This was in Corvallis, Oregon. So not in New Mexico, but Pacific Northwest. I always felt like the school lunch apparatus was just sort of like gated off to me. Like, oh, my parents gave me <laughs> meals and they never told us that we could really eat there. So it was just like oh, it was like this
3: shelter that from existed that
2: I just, you know, I mean, I was I was privileged enough to, have, to be able to bring lunch yeah every day for my parents so no complaints there just it was always it just felt very far off and something that i never really participated in. Wow.
1: Everybody has such a different perspective growing up. I remember the school lunches very vividly, like those square pizzas. Like That was honestly one of my favorite school lunch items. I mean, it looks like now looking back, it looks like not that appetizing, but (laughs) I loved pizza day as a kid. Okay. So some school lunches are clearly better than others. And you guys listening may have seen people posting photos of school lunches from all across the country as people are chiming in on what's become a national discussion on whether or not the government should provide free lunches for students.
2: So here in New Mexico, on the heels of the federal pandemic assistance that is ending... Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham, now entering her second term as a Democrat, she is pushing for legislation that would provide free school meals for all K-12 through 12 students in the state. That is a universal free lunch program.
3: Right now, too many kids are forced to learn, in addition, on an empty stomach, which is why I'm calling for healthy and universal, that
1: means free meals for every student in the state of New Mexico. Here We've got a stacked guest list this week on the podcast, joining us remotely via Zoom to talk about the proposal and what it means exactly for New Mexico is Kendall Chavez. She's the food and hunger coordinator for the office of the governor. Then we've got Luis Ramos, who's a parent and also a teacher at an elementary school in Doña Ana County. And finally, we have Fernando. He's a student at South Valley Academy in the 11th grade. Thank you, everyone, for joining us.
2: Thanks for having us. It is really a fascinating topic and one that I didn't necessarily see coming when I think about all of the sort of political things that would happen over the next year. But, Kendall, I want to start with you for a sort of high-level understanding of what this legislation would do. We're talking about Senate Bill Ford is sponsored by two Democrats, that being Senator Michael Padilla of the Albuquerque area and also Senator Leo Jaramillo of Española. That bill is currently being presented in the legislative session. But Kendall, can you give us the highlights of this bill if it passes? What exactly would it do?
3: Well, you made the comment that this was a surprise um, to you as somebody who lives in New Mexico and reports on news here. Um, It is not a surprise to us because the governor since day one of her administration has been thinking critically about addressing hunger while also investing in New Mexico agriculture and the intersection of where those two points come together. So that's my role. That's the job that I get to do in the governor's office. So fast forward, um, you know, to the 2023 legislative session as we prepare for the fiscal year 24 or fiscal year 24, starting July 1. Um, the governor was very passionate about not only addressing meal costs for families. So again, and Christy mentioned this, so all the federal waivers for free school meals all got rolled back last year. So starting this school year, families are paying for meals again. That impacts about 70,000 kids across the state. On average, parents with a you know households with two kids are paying more than a thousand dollars a year for lunch alone. So, the the the, the cost burden on families is real. Um, so the governor, again, with her understanding of the food, our food systems at large here in the state, said, why don't we not only cover the cost of meals, um, if we're going to cover the cost of meals, we also need to be making it crystal clear. That meal quality and meal health and what's being served to our kids is as important as access. So, in Senate Bill 4, you'll see four separate sections or provisions. So, the first is saying every kid across the state, no matter where you are, your income, shall have access to free breakfast and lunch every single day of the school year, everywhere across the state. That's the first provision. The second is Within this concept of free, we are saying that they not only need to be free for giving um, additional revenues and dollars to schools and districts, those meals need to be high quality. And when we say high quality, we're not necessarily talking about sodium or sugar or some of the things that you hear in the national dialogue around the USDA federal the nutrition standards. We're talking about meals that are scratch cooked, looks like something that a parent or a household would serve to their children. Um, something that's locally sourced, something that we can recognize the ingredients in, and that's not coming out of a plastic bag. So I just want to define what we mean when we're saying meals. And then for us, the more um the other exciting pieces of this are the focus on local. So we're not only saying that we believe in health, healthy meals, we're saying that we believe in New Mexico farms and ranches and food businesses to provide that food for our schools. We already have uh, about 65 schools and school districts across the state who do New Mexico food, meaning they purchase local food. Uh, but this is further institutionalizing it or building it into the way that we see student nutrition and school food the state. And then the last major piece is um, you may have heard sort of chatter um, in, if you listened to any of the previous um, hearings or any of the public dialogue around this about food waste. Um, this is a national conversation about school food not just here in New Mexico, whether we should be investing in school meals if it's all going in the trash and so we have um, a you know experience, and I'm happy to share later um, to, to debunk that. Right, kids want to eat food if it tastes good, smells good, and looks like the food that they eat at home. Um, and we also know that kids need a long enough time to sit down and eat their meal. So this may be surprising to people who don't have kids in schools. Everywhere across the country, there is no mandate on how long a kid has to be able to sit down, how long they should be allowed to eat. It comes to meal, right? And so. They're proposing in Senate Bill 4 that schools and school districts allow up to 20 minutes for younger kids, grades K through 5, so that they can actually sit, talk to their friends, eat the fruits and vegetables on the plate that often take longer to chew than process items, completely consume their meal, dump what's left, and then go out to recess before or after lunch, pre- preferably for lunch. And so um, the last comment I'll make is that this bill is really looking at holistically at like school food culture. We're not just talking about free like, you know, health and quality, New Mexico agriculture, and then the really shifting from a fast food culture to like a, a home cooked culture in schools that serve you know three hundred nine thousand plus kids every day.
1: So this is a $30 million plan that would be appropriated from the general fund for the upcoming school year and would reportedly make New Mexico the sixth state to provide universal school meals. Meaning, like you said, you don't need to meet a specific income level to qualify for these meals. Kendall, I just wanted to ask you, why take out that income threshold? Why is that important for all students to make it a universal free program?
3: So New Mexico was the first state in the nation, I believe in 2017, to pass an anti-lunch shaming bill um, called the Hunger-Free Student Bill, right? This led, I don't even know, dozens of other states to follow our lead here. Um, And that really was addressing this issue of stigma. For the kids that are in the paid meal category, almost half of those kids are still under 400% of the federal policy. So we're still talking about families who are on the threshold of needing additional financial support from the state or federal. So, that is a very real data point that we looked at when we designed this program. And also, just this issue of we, you know, the state provides pencils and desks and all these other resources to kids, too, so that they can do well in school. Why are we not providing food as a basic right and a basic resource that should be provided to all kids, no matter their income? And then also, and I think my colleagues can speak more to this from their experience, um, essentially, about this issue of stigma. So, no kid should have to be. Um, she had to experience that, the stigma of being a low-income um, student or a paid student in a school. We, we expect you know, high academic health outcomes for all of our kids, no matter what income bracket they call in. So why would we apply that same concept?
2: We mentioned off the top that this comes after the expiration sort of of federal benefits that helped provide meals to kids during those pandemic years. So, Luis, a, a question for you. How helpful were those meals? You think over these last two years, and you know what do you think it would mean for you know maybe your family or other families you work with specifically to be able to have those free meals in school?
0: Those meals were extremely helpful um, during the pandemic era. I can remember uh, going every like once a week to get a week's worth of food. It was a lot of uh, a lot of food we had a clear the fridge out, you know, make space. I can also remember giving out food here at the school that I work at to families in in need and stuff, and, like, all of it was picked up. There wasn't anything left behind or nothing to waste. Um, But, yeah, I think it's definitely beneficial for all New Mexico children or children everywhere to get free school meals. Um, You know, they... If they don't, we have behavior problems in the classroom. They're not doing as best academically. There's, you know, there's a lot, I'm sure there's a lot that goes into it, that it trickles down and affects into their lives. I think it definitely helps the parents and it definitely helps the students themselves, you know, but like Kendall was saying, as long as we get some high quality locally sourced food, there's enough land here in New Mexico to grow food for the whole state. So why aren't we, you know? Thinking back
2: to those last couple of years, did you ever have any moments or, or memories you can think of when like food made its way to a family that really needed it. Is there a moment you remember where somebody cued you in it a little bit more towards just sort of the effect of something like this?
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, we live in a, a low income area, you know, I'm I'm used to getting free lunches. Uh I grew up in a school district where, you know, everybody received free lunches in the whole entire school district. So nobody had to pay for lunch. But um yeah, there's definitely um I guess like food disparity around here and stuff. And yeah, I've definitely encountered uh, students and families that, you know, need the help and have greatly appreciated it. So it impacts more than, more than we would think because we don't know what's going on in other people's lives. We don't know what challenges they face. And so, um, it's, it's not uh good to assume that, you know, just because you're living well, doesn't mean that everybody else around you is living well, everybody's having their own struggles. And, uh, you know kids are easy at at masking all that and putting on a smile, you know most of the time, so it's hard to tell you know uh, you'd be you'd be surprised if you talk to you know a few elementary students what what sort of challenges they face yeah they de- they've definitely been grateful for some of them have been grateful for the food as well
1: Louise, how old are your children?
0: um so my children are one's gonna be ten next week. And then, um, the younger one is seven. Okay.
1: And what would it mean? Like you mentioned everybody in your district growing up had access to these free meals. Where do you see yourself and your family now that you're a parent without that?
0: Oh, I mean, it would, it would definitely be a financial burden on us. You know, my dad, when he mentioned growing up and not being able to receive your free meals, all his, uh, mom would give him his, you know um, bean burritos you know what i mean and he said that there was a it was a difference in culture when he would go to the school and he would see other kids with sandwiches right and uh he would be like uh, he would tell his mom i want a, i want a sandwich and she's like no you're getting bean burritos you know what i mean and so you know it definitely i think it would definitely impact us um, negatively but um i honestly i'm i guess i'm kind of blessed not to know the the uh, burden of that, you know, and luckily too, most of the meals that are served at the school are tasty. Well, at least in the school district that I grew up in, you know, my kids, uh, I ask them about the the meals that they receive all the time. And uh, most of the time they say it's, it's good and that they eat their, all their food. So.
1: Fernando, I want to loop you in here too. You're in the 11th grade. You mentioned what kind of lunches do you guys have? And and are you a recipient of free lunches?
4: Yes. um Salvador Academy does provide free lunch for us. And I'm very thankful for that. But they do give us like food that comes from our culture. Like we get tamales, enchiladas,
2: um, menudo, and things like that. So it's, it's always a good school lunch. That's awesome. Does it mean a lot to you as a student not having to worry about what you're going to eat in the middle of the day? Of course, it makes uh, everything after easier.
1: What is the impact, do you think, on your family um, not having to worry about that?
4: I think it's, you know, a positive thing for my family, you know, that me and my sister are able to have lunch at school, and that's not something that we need to worry about.
1: Some of the pushback, like you mentioned off the top, Kendall, for this proposal talks about food waste and the question of, okay, for example, if some households can pay for their kids lunch, would it in some way be wasteful to provide all students with those meals if some can afford it? How would you address that, Kendall?
3: So there was an Albuquerque Journal editorial that I think was published last week that actually made this exact point. School meals, school meal programs, like any, they operate almost as a business within a school or a school district. They are expected to make enough revenue to cover their costs, right? So it's one of the reasons that I wanted to really flag um, that the state feels so strongly about investing in not only the schools where kids are paying, but all schools. The Fernando School, the school that Luis works at and where kids attend, because to really impact that quality piece, you have to we have to provide more revenue and income these you know, pretty cashed out programs, right? So the the journal editorial made this um statement about what happens the same statement you just made what happens if a parent chooses to still send their kids with a meal and then the school district the school decides to also cook meals for every kid every kid in school. And that's just like the basic economics of our program everywhere in the country that's not the way it works. So a school district or a school specifically projects and forecasts their meals based on participation. So, if I had a school with three hundred kids, and I knew on average, you know, and I'm talking before the state investment, before, go before a hundred kids are eating, I'm going to make meals for a hundred kids with a little bit of buffer above and below, just in case kids don't show up, or maybe it's a meal that kids like, maybe it's like fish sticks or something that the kids don't often like to eat, and maybe an assumption there about fish sticks, but. So this is a highly technical scientific process because they don't have enough revenue or income to waste, right? So like a food program doesn't want their food to go in the trash. So fast forward, if and when this bill passes, we would have bipartisan support. Families want this, communities want this, farmers want this, we want it, the legislature wants it. So we expect this to pass. Um, if that, three, that school with 300 kids um, is expecting all 300 kids to eat that following Monday, first day of the first Monday of the school year, they're going to produce for that number of kids. And then they're going to, they're going to shift and edit the amount of meals they're making based on reality. So this assumption that we're just going to produce meals for 100% of the kids and some of them bring meals or maybe on a field trip or things like that, that's all accommodated for.
2: I see what you mean. Yeah. It's that it's you're, you're responding to the local need. You're not just cooking at a specific number. Um, It's, it's very much, a process of figuring out how many kids are actually taking the lunch and that's how we'll cook for it.
1: And it sounds like the schools have to make that decision, right? Yeah.
3: And it's the same as like a family, right? So if I have, you know, two kids, but I'm expecting like all the aunties and uncles to come over, like I'm going to shift the menu based on how many people are going to be there. It's that same concept, same food service, food production, cooking concept that we all use every day in our lives applies to the situation
2: I know one of the other qualifiers about this targeting food waste is is setting aside a certain amount of time, right, that kids get to eat lunch. So there's 20 minutes sort of built in to what the bill is sort of saying is making sure kids get at least 20 minutes to eat a meal. Perhaps it doesn't sound like a lot maybe to me as an adult now, but how would that 20 minute allotment work? Is that still enough time for kids or is that something that that feels like maybe in flux?
3: So that 20 minute number comes from recommendations from the CDC and USDA. This is an old recommendation that's been made for, I don't know, almost a decade. I do have to say that in Senate education, the last place that Senate Bill 4 was in, we do have an amended version of the bill that now reads up to 20 minutes. Um, Because there was pushback from administrators that said, if I have a kid who's done in five minutes and they eat their whole plate, like we're going to eat them in a proceed just because the law states they have to. We shifted that language and agreed with like the local. on that decision making but still a a child a you know k-5 through student should be allowed to sit and eat if they want to meet their students so that that um concept is back up backed up by a ton of data um not a lot of states have really fully leaned into this because for administrators it's challenging right scheduling the school day adding that 20 minutes. so that so for administrators for boards it's a challenging conversation and it uh, almost is a no-go we feel like we've, we've landed in a really nice little ground with our, with our administrators here in new Mexico by the up to 20 minutes um, if a kid wants to take that whole thing to eat
0: yeah i'd say you know at least 20 minutes um i mean if a kid does eat faster doesn't want to eat you know it's it's up to you know administration or the teacher at the time to uh the lunch service monitor You know, like there needs to be plans in place to keep these kids, you know, preoccupied, entertained or, you know, doing something um, just so they're not being disruptive during lunch service. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I've uh, at this school that I'm currently working at, I've served uh, lunch to the students all last year, even sometimes this year. And, um, yeah, there's some students that just eat very slowly, you know, and it's like we give them a 30 minute time frame, and you know, after the 30 minutes is done and they're still not done, like there are, they're always like, well, I'm going to put it in my backpack for later or something. And I'm just like, okay. Like, but yeah, I mean, it's, I guess there's a lot of variables, factors that go into place when it comes to that. Um, But yeah, growing up too, I've always got in 30 minutes and like if, for instance, if you're in a high school, a large campus, you got to walk to the cafeteria, rush to the cafeteria, who knows how far away you are, you know, and then uh, get lunch, eat real fast and go to your next class, you know, so I mean... It can be there can be time constraints there.
1: A similar question for you, Fernando. You're in eleventh grade now, so older than elementary. How much time do you get for lunch? And do you ever feel rushed or do you see like food go in the trash can after lunch period is over?
4: We have a forty-five minute lunch, so I think that's uh it's a good enough amount to, to, you know, to finish your food. So I really don't see anybody really throwing their lunch away. I think everybody finishes on time. And we even like get seconds if there's
1: leftover food dang okay you're serving tamales that sounds like a good school
0: yeah it's a great school um going back to that food waste item i mean it'd be nice for there to be a program involved with you know schools and whatnot um to you know maybe donate our food waste to the homeless or composting program something like that that'd be great uh yeah because especially the processed food a lot of it ends up in the trash you know um And it is such a shame to see, you know, but at least the stray cats get it, you know, or straight stray dogs.
1: I know, Fernando, you said everybody at your school gets meals. But do you think if everybody in the state, you know, was getting free meals or had access to free food, do you think, Fernando, that that would remove some of like the stigma of like, oh, these kids are the free lunch kids?
4: Yeah, I'm sure it would. I mean, it would make everybody equal when it comes to, you know, the lunch table. You know, no one's better than anybody
1: else. Maybe you don't experience this because everybody's getting served the same thing. But like Luis or even Kendall and your experience as a student, did you ever see like lunch shaming going on?
0: Everybody in the school district that I grew up in, the whole district received free meals. But um, my sister had gone to school in Texas for a little bit. And uh, she had said like, you know, when she didn't have food she wouldn't eat or she would she didn't have money. She wouldn't eat food that day, you know? And so, I mean, I don't know if she was uh, singled out at all, but I know it was a, um, I guess like a higher income population of students there that come from higher income households. Um, I know talking to other people that have gone um, to school where they had to buy lunch on, on days in which maybe there was some sort of computer discrepancy or something. Um, and the system, Tag them saying that they didn't receive free lunch that they felt ashamed. You know, even though like every day they usually get free lunch, like the student, you know what I mean would would then be singled out and uh, yeah, it, they, it's a weird experience, I'm sure. And I mean, it must be hard for this cafeteria worker to um, deny lunch to any student as well.
2: Kendall, I think you
0: spoke a little
2: bit to this a little bit earlier. We were talking about the subject of what the meals look like, right? It's not just giving the food out and making sure that free lunches are available for those who need them, um, but it's also about providing sustenance that is of a high quality, so to speak. So maybe I wanted to ask, you know, do you think a bill like this will be able to elevate the game, the level of lunches statewide that are already being offered?
3: This is the first time that this topic has been elevated use that word elevate as 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 an actual priority state in any in recent history or ever and so that is exciting Um, because I think when people think about school food they think about all the things that they didn't like from when they consumed like I ate school milk um when I was at school there's some things I loved and then there's also some of the smells and like as a non-milk I don't like dairy milk and so like having to to be forced to drink milk and that whole thing I remember all that vividly This bill is really, again, elevating school food as an issue that's critical to academic outcomes, health outcomes, addressing childhood obesity, our low rates of fruit and vegetable consumption, like all of those issues in this place that kids go to, you know, five days out of the week. Um, We also know that you know 80% of New Mexico children consume like 50% or more of their calories at school. This is the most important place of investment if we're really looking at health and academic outcomes through the, the lens of food. Um, we know that this bill is just a drop in the bucket and it's going to take a few years to work against this sort of status quo, old school historical way of thinking of serving the cheapest, fastest food possible. We know that that is like pervasive, right? Everywhere in the country um, and absolutely here. There are some programs that do phenomenal. They're baking their own bread. They're They're producing pizza from scratch. They are doing locally, completely locally sourced meal. They're serving, you know, mutton stew that's sourced from farmers and ranchers, you know, on the reservation. Like, we have amazing things happening. And the entire concept of this is to level the students. Again, not only on the economic side, but also every school and school district in the state really understanding that there's an expectation that the meals be a higher quality. And so some of the districts that we spoke to before we dropped this bill um, said, we already do this. This is great. This is additional revenue to do it better, to hire additional staff who can you know work on the school farm or school garden and we can produce our own vegetables. Or for the schools that are really struggling, um, this gives them what they need to purchase higher quality ingredients, not not um, purchase individually wrapped breakfast burritos that have been cooked somewhere else in the country and then pop into a microwave. So there is a spectrum that we're working with. Um so yes, Chris, this will absolutely elevate this issue and we'll We'll help our school and district prioritize this. And, something that's important. and it's going to take a few years for us to probably start seeing some of the impacts. And so we have to be honest about, um, you know, the infrastructure needs. Like some of our kitchens aren't, they can't cook food. You know, some of them only have heat capacity. So we have to address that. Some of our, our programs don't have enough staff to produce food on site. And so all of those issues are going to have to be worked out, you know, over the next two to three years through this recurring investment from the state. And for you know the executive and our and the governor's office really to be focusing on this is something that's critical to our community.
1: and from what I understand, this would impact public and charter schools across the state to provide these free breakfast and lunches. And it would encourage private and tribal schools to do the same, but not require them. Where do you see those landing?
3: Based on the precedent of the way that the state, the control that we do have, or the the influence that we do have over schools historically, specifically through nutrition, our public schools and charter schools, and so we can't force private schools or tribal schools to do anything specific because it's outside of the state's sphere of influence. Um, we did include private and tribal schools in all of the financial projections because we would want, we want them to participate. Um, for them, this is a win-win. This is additional revenue and additional money. So we don't have Many of our schools and districts in the state who currently serve lunch and breakfast at their school cannot participate in this because it's extra revenue,
2: extra use. In your opinion, what is sort of the likelihood of this bill passing? And also a question about sustainability. I think some people may look at this regardless of where where the money is coming from. Some people may just sort of make a correlation. The state has a bunch of oil revenue, new money this year. But what happens if that goes away? Are programs like this going to get cut? Is this a sustainable thing for years to come in the future?
3: So we're pretty confident that this bill will pass again. It's about um, one of the governor's priorities she mentioned in the state of and We've been having conversations with, you know, decision makers and, and administrators and different stakeholders for six to eight months about this at this point. And so we've landed again in a of consensus with some of the groups that they have had issues around the bill in the beginning, like the deep time or other logistical challenge that challenges that some of the districts can push back on. Um, so we are very confident. I've had, you know, Republicans who are on the other side of the aisle approach me in the hallway and say, like, just so you know, I'm totally on board. We don't understand why we don't understand why we wouldn't support this. And, you know, for us, this angle of, again, not only the universal concept of closing the loops, that every kid gets for free but also saying that those funds can and should be used to support New Mexico farms, New Mexico ranchers, and the health piece is, sorry, to be universal again, but it's universally interesting and important to everybody. And so we feel confident that this, this bill has enough um, for everybody that we, again, can land in a place that we, should, we will see. Legislative cycle and process always likely, likely have some surprises down the line, but we feel pretty, pretty confident about it. Um, the state will always have money, right? So, yes, we are in a boon and bust cycle with oil and gas. Right now, have record income record revenues, um, but it's a really a matter of policy priorities, right? And So, policy is everything is done through the budget. The budget is the expression of what we care about. And so, we feel confident that New Mexicans on both sides of the aisle will understand that feeding kids shouldn't always be a priority. Um, and that is why we have recommended it as recurring funding that will every year
1: the school just can count on. Is there anything that we didn't ask you guys that you felt like was important to talk about?
0: Feeding our, our students, you know, they're, they're our futures of this country, you know what I mean? So I wouldn't, why would we be in a sense, I guess you could say poisoning them with low quality food, you know, I've heard uh, in the past, uh, what is it it's a processed food will lead to uh medical bills and uh organic foods you know will lead to you know a long life and a healthy lifestyle you know so yeah definitely i'd say you know incentivizing or well the bill already does incentivize you know new mexico local grown and you know um i think it's definitely beneficial for for our students to be eating the best uh Food that they can get, food is medicine.
1: And for you, who already like see Luis, um, your kids getting those free meals. If this bill passes, though, would that provide like your school with more funds for improved meals, maybe? Or
0: my my kids uh, don't go to the same school that uh, that I work at. They uh, they they have an actual like cafeteria and uh, food service. Um, I guess like a department and stuff where they can cook their own foods. I work at a small charter school. We don't have a cafeteria. All of our food is um, catered by like a third-party company. So it's definitely not um, the best situation for us, unfortunately. Um, Yeah, we have... uh, I mean, there's a lot of um, issues that we've had in the past uh, with the meals that we receive. And since it's like catered by one of the only companies in the area that will cater schools um it's hard to make any changes or get any differences in in uh what they serve us you know
1: so Kendall, just to clarify maybe this bill would address situations like that for districts who already do provide universal like free meals it would help them have the funds maybe to get their own kitchens things like that
3: yeah so the 30 the 30 million that's in senate bill four um, is the reimbursements and the revenues for the school districts. And so um, the, the school that Luis works at is, it would be included in that list, same as um, uh, the school that Fernando attends. Um, in addition to that, to Senate Bill 4, we've also recommended and earmarked $20 million in capital funding for school kitchen renovations and equipment across the state. Because we know that you know, Luis's story actually isn't that common in the state. We don't have a ton of catering happening, but it does happen. Um, and charter schools specifically have challenges with these types of programs because their economies of scale are so small, right? They're serving very little kids, very few kids. Um, the cost to stand up a kitchen is expensive. And so we hope that this, again, the first round of capital funding will help schools and like, um, be able to improve their infrastructure so that they can survive. An additional 20 million investment in school kitchens so they can offer the fresh and nutritious foods our kids need to thrive. Now we're gonna call this program Kids' Kitchens. And wherever kids are, there ought to be a kitchen working to keep them healthy, strong, and ready to learn. And with this program, New Mexico is literally providing food for thought.
1: Uh, yeah. yeah.
2: Again, a special thanks to Kendall, Luis and Fernando for making the podcast here today and telling us all about this universal free lunch program, which could be very different and interesting here in New Mexico.
1: Even the schools who already receive free meals now, there's potential money there for them to have their own kitchens and infrastructure. So I think that could definitely change things in New Mexico.
2: I think there's a lot more emphasis these days on why should school inches be bad? They don't need to be. It's interesting. Thanks again for joining us here on the podcast. I'm at chris.mckee at krqe.com, also at TV on social media.
1: And you can also reach me at gabrielle.burkhart at krqe.com via email and gburknm on social media. Send us your tips. This came from a, a tip. So we love story ideas. Feel free to reach out.